a strong competitor is somebody that wants to win and at the same time has, okay, talent is part of it, but also I think the temperament, again, same as a horse. <laughs> you need a, a temperament that, you, I mean, the sport is humbling. You can be on the ground one day and and win the next if you're on top of your game. So I think you can't let the lows get you down too much. Just try to learn from them, and I think you can't let the highs get to you too much either. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it seems easy when it's going well, but um, when things start to go downhill is when you have to kind of fight back and figure out how to do things better. podcast featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show, which runs every other Friday, is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandra Olenek, and this week's episode is with two-time Olympic show jumping team gold medalist BZ Madden. Elizabeth BZ Madden has been riding since she was three years old when her parents, who owned a farm near Milwaukee, Wisconsin, gave her a small gray pony named Flicka. She rode in junior equitation and hunter divisions, riding a board horse in the then AHSA National Hunter Seat Medal Finals, where she finished eighth. Interestingly, she didn't ride in a jumper class until she was 17 when she moved her junior hunter to the junior jumper divisions. After graduating from a two-year college, she became a working student for Grand Prix rider Katie monahan Perdant and rode in her first Grand Prix in 1985. BC and her husband, John Madden, the former FEI First Vice President and Chairman of the FEI Jumping Committee, are based out of John Madden Sales in Casanova, New York. With his help and the help of their team, which includes three grooms who have been with them for more than 25 years, BC has won most of the top accolades in the history of show jumping. She's represented the United States at the last four Olympic Games, winning two team gold medals, a team silver medal, and an individual bronze. She rode for the United States in the 2006 and 2014 World Equestrian Games, earning a pair of silver and bronze medals. She also has appeared in three Pan American Games in 2003, 2011, and 2019, winning two team gold medals, a team bronze, and individual silver and bronze medals. On the individual championship front, BC won the Longines FEI Jumping World Cup Final with Abigail Wexner Simon in 2013 and captured the title again in 2018 with Mrs. Wexner's Breitling LS. Some notable Grand Prix wins include the Million Dollar CN International at Spruce Meadows with Judgment in 2005, the 2007 Grand Prix of Aachen, and the King George Gold Cup in Hickstead, England in 2014 and 2015. BZ is a three-time winner of the American Invitational in Tampa and won the Million Dollar Hits Grand Prix in Ocala and Socrates. Adding to her riding resume, U.S. Equestrian Federation members have voted her the USEF Equestrian of the Year five times, most recently for 2019, which was also a great year for her and the 12-year-old Dutch warm-blood stallion Derry Lou with whom she won the 2019 AIG Hits $1 million Grand Prix in Thermal and the $3 million CP International Grand Prix 
at the Spruce Meadows Master CSIO 5-star. Gary Liu was named the 2019 USEF International Horse of the Year as well. Beezy is a proponent of the American forward riding system, having been a pupil of Mike Hennigan as well as Katie Prudent. She's a strong believer in the basics because, she says, the ability to control the horse comes from the base of support and the classic position. She shares those insights, evaluating riders from photos that Practical Horseman magazine readers send in of themselves in the Jumping Clinic column. In our conversation, Beezy and I talk about a variety of subjects, including what she's learned from Mike and Katie, some of the many special horses in her life, winning the 2013 World Cup Final, her training philosophy and favorite exercises, as well as the challenges of navigating the highs and lows of life with sport horses. Now, let's jump right into the conversation with Beezy, where she starts by sharing how horses have always been a part of her life. Well, my parents had horses since I was born, so I grew up going to the stable and being around horses just like somebody would be around a dog if they had it at their house. So um, I I grew to be comfortable around horses and really uh, started to love being around them and doing things and helping out. And eventually my parents had their horses at a place that had a riding school. So I got to start on some school horses and they had a teacher and it was kind of took off from there. It's kind of part of your life. Yeah. Was um was there Bear Barn? Was it um, uh, show barn or was it pleasure horses? Uh, some of both. Like I said, they had a school uh, strain of school horses, and so they had a lesson program, and then there were also horses that showed there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you won uh, at the IHSA Nationals the Cachione Cup. Um, <laughs> What was that like uh, in your early years? Was that Uh, an important win for you? Yeah, I mean, that was a great experience. Uh, The best thing it enabled me to do was be able to keep riding while I was in college. It was really convenient and great to keep up the competitive skills and learn hopping on strange horses and trying to get them around really well. And, um, yeah, in a team environment, it was great to have that. You know, you had... Everything from walk trot to open over fences, and everybody was important. So that was neat to kind of experience team in that in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe backing up a little bit, did you do the equitation? Like, how did you kind of come up through the? Did you come up through the junior ranks? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I grew up in Wisconsin, so there wasn't a lot going on there. But um, I I did do the equitation. I'd say quite a bit my last junior year. The second to last junior year, I got to go to the finals, which was a big deal for me. I'd been qualified since I was 12 or 13. <laughs> so finally got to go when I was uh, 16. And uh, we brought a horse and I got a, I was eighth in the medal finals. So then my parents got kind of excited. <laughs> and uh, I got to go with, we had a trainer Mike Hennigan who used to be in Wisconsin and then he moved to the east coast so that's who we kind of teamed up with when we wanted to go to the east coast and I ended up my last junior year doing quite a bit of equitation and mm-hmm. and hunters but I didn't show a jumper till that till I was 17. Oh really? My junior hunter became my jumper. Oh, okay. <laughs> junior jumper yes. <laughs> personal, personal yeah. Well, that's neat. Um I guess at, uh, at what point did you decide you wanted to be a professional rider, and especially in the jumper rink? Obviously, that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd have to say when I was working for 
Kate or I rode with Katie Prudent after uh, I graduated out of the junior division and while I went to school for two years, I went to college for a two-year school. And uh, after I graduated the two-year school, I was accepted to the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, and that's where I plan on going, but Katie offered me a job uh-huh. as a working student, so I guess I always say that's my real time I made the decision to make this my career. You've mentioned Mike and Katie. Um, I guess, can you talk a little bit about them as mentors and how they influenced you in your writing? Uh, I have to say Mike was... He was a real perfectionist. I think we had some really long lessons, you know, <laughs> trying to get everything just right. Um, he introduced me to a lot of the flat work that I didn't, you know, wasn't familiar with uh, and the importance of that. Uh, and then Katie really was my introduction to jumpers and how to ride it. I remember we walked the course for the first jump off and the way she described it, I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, it, it was, I think I needed a little bit of aggressiveness put into me and she did that really well. Mm-hmm. How, can you say how she was able to do that? Uh, she, just the way she had you go out the jump off. Um, she was great at picking kind of almost simple things but they were very difficult so you had to you had to really be able to ride and develop feeling and skills and and be able to react quick um to some of the exercises she does and it mm-hmm. was yeah it was different than just the hunter equitation right i guess uh talking about your horses who who have been some of the important or influential horses in your life and what were they like and i guess how how were they influential mm. I'd say for jumpers, I mean, when I, my first really good horse I got to ride was Madrono. He was owned by Still Metal Farm, and the the owners had approached Katie to see if she would ride their horses, and Katie said she was too committed to other owners, and but she said, why don't you give Beezy a try? <laughs> and so I got it. That was my first great opportunity, and uh, he was used horse of the year the first year or close or maybe second in horse of the year but he 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 took me to my first world cup final and he was yeah he jumped a lot of clear rounds um and then I'd have to say when I went to work for John I had a we had a horse called northern magic and he was the first one that I rode on nation with nation's cups and went to Europe and he was he won a lot a lot of grand prix (laughs) he wasn't like a real championship horse but he could win he won a lot of Grand Prix. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then Authentic, obviously, we bought when he was six years old, and he took me to my first Olympic Games and a gold medal, and and then two more medals in Hong Kong as well, and world championship medals. So he was, and he was, uh, he wasn't actually the first horse that Mrs. Wexner bought. She actually bought a horse named De Silvio. Who had a lot of success and was she bought him as a either five or six year old maybe six year old, and he had a lot of success. He was third in the Masters Grand Prix in Spruce Meadows. He was double clear in St. Gallen. He was actually leading the Olympic trials the year of Athens and then got hurt. So okay. he was kind of on again off again, but it, it was it was a good success. So it was that introduction to Mrs. Wexner and. She just she bought more horses after that, so 
he I would have to say he was a big influence. Um, and I don't know, I've had so many. I had Judgment along the same time as Authentic. He was fantastic in a lot of venues. Um, no, Simon, 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 yeah. Simon <laughs> Cortez, uh, they've all really taken me to some kind of medal or Simon was to my first uh, indiv individual championship win in the World Cup and then Breitling with his World Cup win right. and uh, now Derry Lou with his, <laughs> his horse of the year and uh, I was rider of the year so yeah I've been really lucky yeah. over the years so many. How do you how do you go about um, selecting horses obviously you and John work together? Yeah um, I mean we're always looking these days there's so much live stream that you can watch that um, there's so many horses you can watch so many horses yourselves, but we also have people all around, you know, that call us when they see something special and, um, it's, but it's, it's kind of, times are changing in that you have to be quicker than you used to be. You know, you have to, if there's one available, you have to kind of snatch it up quick because, uh, things move fast these days. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. How, um, what, what do you look for in a horse? I mean, obviously, jumping talent is one thing, um, but sometimes the most talented one isn't always the best one either, so it makes it really difficult. You, I, I mean, you have to have a good feeling when you ride the horse. We look for a horse that, okay, when we first look at it, we like it if it looks classy, you know, if it has a good eye, nice head, nice face, and it's put together well, <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> and it's... I don't like horses that are kind of wide and heavy, so okay. I like the lighter, little narrower types. And uh, why is that? I, it's hard for me to ride a real wide horse. I think I don't. Maybe my legs just aren't long <laughs> enough. I don't know, but it's it's uh, difficult for me. And I like um, I like when they have a little blood. So that's makes my job easier. I think. <laughs> and uh, I I think a good canter is important. Uh, a horse with a good temperament, I think these days, is awfully important for all the places we take them and <laughs> things we do with them. They need to be pretty, uh, pretty agreeable to all of that. And yet, at the same time, you want a little spunk and a little fight in a horse. Uh -huh. so, and it's, it comes down to a lot the feeling I have when the horse jump, jump in it and trying it. Could you, it's kind of a broad question, but could you describe your overall training philosophy? Um, you're, you're sort of a, a proponent of the American for it, for mm -hmm. riding system, and I guess that stems from Mike and mm -hmm. Katie, but... Um, yeah, I think we stick to basics a lot, and we go or go back to basics a lot. Flat work is good. I like working a lot on the rideability of a horse, because I think, you know, the courses are so technical these days that you need to be able to have the adjustability to do really maybe several different options and you know you shouldn't be locked into one option with your horse um i think we try we try to keep the horses fresh and happy with scheduling um it's kind of rare that we show them two weeks in a row we like to give them a little show and then a break and then show so um but i again i'm lucky with the horses I have that, you know, I have enough horses that I can space them out and still be quite busy myself. Um, but yeah, I think just really basics is important. And by rideability, like what does that mean to you? 
stride. Adjustable, basically, that he can, he lengthens and shortens the stride uh, whenever, to the whatever, whatever degree I want him to, um, which is a lot, just getting to know a horse and communication with the horse. Um, and I think, you know, that the horse doesn't, horse, it's, it's a fine line because the horse has to have a little bit of his own eye at the fence and a little bit of his own <clears throat> way of doing things, but at the same time, they have to do what we want to. <laughs> so, right. but, it's kind of a, a balance between giving yeah. them enough freedom, but still making sure they can. Yeah, exactly. They need a little of their own initiative, but not too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what do you think makes a good horseman? What are the components of a good horse person? I think horseman. somebody that's putting the best interest of the horse first. And at, at the same time, if you just never did anything with the horse, you would not get anywhere. So <laughs> you have to balance, you know, what's what's best for the horse and also what's best for the horse's career as well. So I think that's an important part. Right. Um, and... Do you have a favorite exercise or type of work that you do with a lot of horses? You mentioned the flat work. Yeah, flat work. I like to use rails on the ground in, in really any configuration. I mean, you can do straight lines. You can do curves. You can do, depending on how big your arena is, you can do a curved line to a straight line to a curved line. And I, <clears throat> I think all of that, a rail on the ground just helps simulate a fence. Mm -hmm. And you can do different numbers of strides between the rails each time and have it go forward between two of them and then short between two of them and just vary it up a lot so the horse <clears throat> doesn't learn it by just a pattern but he learns to listen to ask to what you're asking him to do. Mm -hmm. And that all <clears throat> moves toward the rideability that yeah. you mentioned before. Yeah. Um, so your husband John um, is obviously a key part of your success. Um, how do you work together, or how does he help you? How does that partnership work? Uh, he does a lot of the uh, a lot of the management, a lot of the teaching, especially when we're at horse shows. When I'm busy doing other stuff, uh, uh, teaching of our students as well as uh, helping coach me. Um, he manages the the owners, the staff. Um, he does, and at the same time, he communicates with our office at home, so obviously he manages the overall business and uh, <clears throat> helps pick horses. Um, he, he, he does a lot just so that I can concentrate on what I need to concentrate on. Right, and that's nice to have. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've ever asked you this. How, <laughs> how did you guys meet? Did you say you went to work? Well, we first met when uh, my last junior year I went to... I got the show in Palm Beach, and he was working for Katie Prudent, and we asked her to help with my jumper. Mm -hmm. For or Mike, Mike Hennigan asked her to help with my jumper, and I met him then. And then when I went to work for Katie, he was a little bit, I think he was leaving at the time, but he might have been around for a little bit before I left. And then, uh, or before I, I was there for a little bit before he left and went out on his own business. And then he went to Wisconsin, which is kind of funny, because oh, I grew up is. there. <laughs> and he saw my mom at a horse show, and he said, oh, I wish I could get somebody like Beezy to ride for me. And she just said, well, why don't you ask her? <laughs> and so <laughs> then we, he did, and I said, oh, I'll think about it. And I ended up going. Yeah. 
Speaking of to competing and writing, what do you consider, you've had so many highlights of your career, I guess, is there a favorite memory or? Mm. I'd have to say probably winning my first championship at, in the World Cup, at the World Cup final with Simon. Mm -hmm. um, Simon was bought, you know, as, a, as an older horse with the idea that we thought he'd be a great shot for London, and then that didn't work out, so it was really great. I think it was the ne very next year, right. possibly, that he won the World Cup final, so that was, that was neat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, for that final, were you expecting it? I mean, I guess you always go in hoping yeah. and planning. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I thought he's a really good indoor horse, and um, I thought the first day was going to be my hardest because it was sometimes difficult to go fast with him because he got a bit strong, but I went out, I think I went middle of the class, and I just went and did my plan, and did it, he did it beautifully, and I ended up winning the first day, so I thought, <laughs> then after that, I thought, okay, now I have a good chance to actually win, because yeah. that was, I thought that was my hardest day. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you have a routine before competition, or I think we talked about this before, do you get nervous, like you have to a certain way of doing things? I've never gotten too nervous. The only thing I do like is to be organized with my equipment and my groom, you know, what when the horse is coming up, when I'm going to get on. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, I, I'm not too, I don't have any rituals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be lying if I said I never got nervous, but I don't, not to a problem. Not no. <laughs> I have to worry about it. Um, I guess. Uh, how do you stay uh, mentally focused? Um, I think having John do a lot of the other stuff is uh -huh. really helps me be mentally focused. And I don't know. It's uh, I've, I think I'm a good concentrator because I've never really had to work too much on the concentration. But um, and I think I can tone out other stuff around me really easily. But I don't know how to tell somebody to do that because <laughs> I think I just do it. And really? yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. I I also love the sport and love the learning more and always trying to get better. So mm -hmm. that helps. Uh, what makes a strong competitor? I think a strong competitor is somebody that wants to win and at the same time has, okay, talent is part of it, but also I think the temperament, again, same as a horse. <laughs> you need a a temperament that, you, I mean, the sport is humbling. You can be on the ground one day and and win the next if you're on top of your game. So I think you can't let the lows get you down too much. Just try to learn from them, and I think you can't let the highs get to you too much either. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it seems easy when it's going well, but um, when things start to go downhill is when you have to kind of fight back and figure out how to do things better. Why do you think you've been so successful? I think I think I do have a level head. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I love winning, but I don't let that get, you know, too, don't get too uh, overexcited about that. And um, I think I can stay pretty level-headed when things aren't going well, too. But um, I, I think I've been really lucky with the team that 
I've gotten, you know, with John and some of our staff we have had for 25, over 25 years, at least three of them. And uh, so I think, you know, we, we work well together. I think uh, having some great owners all the way through, you know, it, it, took a, it took a while to get that, to get a group of owners. And then when Mrs. Wexner came along, you know, she's been just predominantly my only owner for a while. And so I'm really lucky with that because I think she's probably one of the best owners we've had in the history of at least U.S. show jumping. Right. Special horses. Yeah. Um, besides writing, what are your other interests? Mm, not so many interests. I read a few books. I We ski sometimes, um, but not often. <laughs> Mostly we're pretty uh, entangled, yeah, in the, with the horses, because when we have a down season and showing, we're off looking at horses trying to find new ones, or maybe we go teach somewhere and we have a client in Mexico that we went and did taught this fall, and you know, it's we're just always interested in doing something with horses. Yeah, that's neat. Mm -hmm. um, is there any advice you'd give your younger self? Mm, I don't know. It's you know, I grew up in a different era, so it's I got so I it's hard to say that I do things differently went then, but I guess, you know, I got to, I was a little bit of a slow start. I didn't go to my first Olympic Games till I was 40, but I really don't know what I would have done differently either at the time. I think now it's, I don't know, you have to be, you have to be aggressive when you're young here. So, you know, some of these kids are doing it really young now, right? getting opportunities, and uh, I think you just have to look for every opportunity you can. Mm -hmm. um, kind of question, I guess, what's, what's next for you? Uh, well, I'm going to put a big push on this year um, in hopes to make it the team for Tokyo. And then after that, I'm going to mostly focus on trying to develop some really top young horses into Grand Prix horses and probably not worry about keeping them to go to championships, but try to sell them and let them go to championships with other people <laughs> or wherever, whatever their slot in life might be. Probably have some, we'd like to have a couple students that go on to do some big international competitions as well. Okay. Sounds exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very yeah. much. I really appreciate You're welcome. your time. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us again in two weeks. Upcoming conversations are with the amazing show jumping teen phenom Brian Mowbray, international show jumper Andrew Wells, and France's Olympic show jumper Eric Neve. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Sandra Olenek, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.